Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. And we do want to thank the guys from Powerslam TV for supporting the show. And we want to pass on to you guys, our listeners, the ability to go check out Powerslam TV and all of the content that they have on there. You heard well over 4,000 hours. It's very true with a lot of different promotions from all around the world, a lot of good stuff, a lot of classic stuff that goes back even years, decades really at this point. So go to powerslam.tv, sign up, use our code CALLERELBOWFREE. That's CALLERELBOWFREE. Use that. You're going to get a free month on that code. There's no hassles there. It's not, it's not a gimmick that they're pulling over on anybody. You can cancel that at any time. Check it out. Hopefully you'll like it. I've liked it. I'm supporting it. I recommend it. Go check it out. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're, we're live. Everyone to the... Are we? I don't believe anymore. Welcome. Part three. Yes. Take three. Welcome to the Color and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. I am Kenny Oak. Sufficiently... Yes drinking at this point <laughs> um chris harris is the guy i normally do this with and luckily tonight he is who i'm also doing okay this with. that was almost a chris. tease it sounded like i know i wish it was someone else ah, that's mean and hurtful so all right that's my that's my gimmick tonight it's a good or a very special go with it i understand episode. why you're doing it now because that's tonight's show Yes, ah. we are doing the top eight gimmicks of all time. Tournament part two. Uh, we have put together a list of eight. We have. Uh, in our opinion, the best gimmicks slash characters of all time. And we're going to run through that list and the bracket. And you have had a chance to vote on it all week. And we're going to also talk about what we think a gimmick is and Mm -hmm. all kinds of good stuff gimmick-related. Yeah, talk some differences between... In fact, we're gimmick ourselves. I mean, drunk comedy. I mean, not drunk comedy. Drunk (laughs) comedy. It's very similar. The words... proving that our gimmick is real. It's not kayfabe. Ah, the best shit happens live. We are drunk common comedy commentary. Not not we are. Oh, it starts with a C. Oh no. It is it is drunk commentary. We are doing it. It's good stuff tonight. We're both mixing coke. I believe I have Dr. Pepper. I'll correct myself. I have Dr. Pepper going. So that is my life. Zero and bright. Mm-hmm. And we are. We're gonna talk gimmicks. We're gonna talk a little bit of some specifics of gimmick and character because there is a i think a substantial difference between the two 
saying that somebody is in character versus them performing a gimmick. There's a lot of great characters, but I think very few gimmicks in pro wrestling. So we're going to break that down. We got the bracket out there. We've got a lot of votes that have happened over the last, it's been like, I think five days since I've had it out now. So they are closed. We've got the first round done. We'll be moving into the second round next week. And it's exciting shit. So where, where do you want to start? What do you want to What do you want to hit it with? Let's first let's talk about what is a gimmick mm-hmm. in the wrestling world. Um, and there's so many different ways we can go about this. Uh, but I want to kind of stick with character related talking about what a character gimmick is yeah uh but first i wanted to give a definition of what a gimmick is uh in professional wrestling a gimmick generally refers to a wrestler's in-ring persona character behavior attire and or other distinguishing traits while performing which are usually artificially created Mm. in order to draw a fan's interest it could involve costumes, makeup, catchphrases, and all kinds of other good stuff. Okay. But that is what a gimmick is in wrestling. It's a character, a character, a persona, what they wear, what they do, just things that distinguish them from the pack. And I, I like it. That's the Google definition for sure because I posted something very similar when I posted the initial bracket talking about gimmicks. And do you like people calling somebody a gimmick and a character as the same definition? Do you think it's the same? I think it can go, they can coincide with each other, but in my mind, gimmick and character are two separate entities. Like the gimmick of mankind is of a deranged uh, psychopath that feels no pain and just wants to inflict pain on the world. Mm -hmm. But the character of Mick Foley is this passionate, you know, fun-loving kind of guy. Sure. Who, who when he's in the mankind persona, Mm -hmm. can take it it much further than, than the actual... There's there's a ceiling that a gimmick like the mankind character can get to, mm-hmm. but the character of Mick Foley, when he is mankind, takes it through that ceiling and takes it to a higher level. Okay, and I like that. I think that a character who's driving their their wrestling character can do different things to create something beyond what they they do naturally. So everything that Mick Foley did as Mick Foley. He went into different gimmicks of himself with the three characters, the three the three faces of Foley. I think he's a great example of that. And that's why I, I kind of like to – it was kind of difficult for us to create the bracket because we kept running into people that were basically just really good characters of themselves. And we're like, well, no, we want to we separate it from like someone who almost missed the list like Mr. Perfect, right? So it is a gimmick. Right. That was more just a character. He's a but... character of himself. Yeah. And, and, and there it was, was less of a gimmick. His gimmick was just being, uh, being perfect, being mm-hmm. this great. He's great at everything. Yeah. And 
that to me that gimmick just kind of falls flat but the character of Kurt Henning and him playing Mr. Perfect took it to a higher level right so we ended up with eight of them we had a conversation we a couple guys missed the list um, we talked about Mr. Perfect there obviously just now he was on the fringe uh, I brought up Rick Rude for what he was doing but again very character based and um, Bray Wyatt yeah, that was more made the list but he's, just... he's recent yeah, we're still we're still debating Bray Wyatt mm-hmm. because the 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 gimmick is of a cult leader, but mm-hmm. so was Waylon Waylon Mercer. Was that his name? Was that his name? Who was that? I don't know. Oh, it's it's the character that Bray Wyatt was he, based off. That of. he's based it, off of. I see what you mean. Yes, it, mm-hmm. it's a former wrestler back in the eighties and early nineties that. Essentially, it's the exact same character as Bray Wyatt, but Bray Wyatt's just a much more theatrical than mm-hmm. what he was. Time will tell with that one because he's still young and has time to, to fully develop it, but that one's on pace. But we don't see a lot of gimmicks in wrestling anymore, and I think this is, this is where it's easy to draw the difference between a character and a gimmick. There's not a lot of gimmicks anymore. Bray's a very clear one with what he's doing, but really, everyone's now a character because it's more... But his... His gimmick is a lot like the Mankind gimmick, a deranged psychopath yep. that kind of splits between different kinds of personalities. Some dual personality stuff, so, which is very entertaining, yeah. right? But on the rest of the roster, you have guys that are just really good at what they do, and they're mad or they're happy about what they're doing in their heel versus face. There's not a lot of right. costume. There's not a lot of theatrics, like you said, anymore. And those days have been gone really outside of WWE's post 96 really where we don't see the dumpster guys and we don't see the goon and all these kind of things that were around hey, whoa 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 you leave the goon out of this don't worry we got we got he is a, he is a canadian treasure we've got porn stars in the attitude era we got pimps right yes we've got alvinas and the godfather we got 170 pound hardcore wrestlers that claim to be well over 400 oh he that, there's the gimmick clubs. there don't even act like you know how much he weighed because it it was well over four hundred well pounds. Over. None of us knew. No, and I think it was weighed. it was great. It, it gave him an advantage over his opponents. You don't know how much I weigh. You know, rest in peace, Crash. That's fucking good point. Damn it. But let's um let's get to this. Let's talk about how we kind of seeded this real quick. We got okay, one, we got one through let's eight. Run down the bracket. Uh, number one, I don't think it's debatable. Obviously, we'll talk about it in the finals. I think, but the Undertaker came in at number one. It was right. it was fairly easy to get there. Kane came in at number two. Number three, I put Gold Dust. Four was Mankind. Five, yes. the Million Dollar Man. Six, Raven. Seven, Sergeant Slaughter. And number eight, Warrior. We we threw him in there. Almost the the numbers are all, will act like it shouldn't be real, but uh, he's in there at number eight. So there's our one through eight clubs. That's what we came up <laughs> with last week. There was no hope. No. There. We could have thrown anyone in at number eight, and it would not have It's mattered. It's true. I don't know the one person that voted to skew my numbers, but they did. <laughs> so so they're in there. And it wasn't me. I swear. Okay, I hope not. That's what we got, though. I like the bracket. I think it's seated really well. Once again, four and five. Just like our last bracket of... Uh, what the hell did we do last time? Oh, best promos. It was... Yeah. Yeah, best talkers. We had Bobby a great Heenan matchup. Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman. The numbers were great. On this one, they were great as well. Up until yesterday when I asked for last call numbers, the Million Dollar Man was winning, but Mankind finished strong. And we'll get to those numbers uh, in a little bit. 
obviously, but um, don't give it away. I'm not tease, big tease. Because we're we're gonna start at at number one through eight, Bob's. You you good with that? Yes. And and, and one, same one, eight. as with our last, same as with our last bracket, we will discuss uh, our favorite moments, mm-hmm. what we liked about both characters, what made them great gimmicks, and. Uh, why ultimately someone is better than the other? Right. So we're gonna we're gonna get the obvious one out of the way. Let's let's talk about the Undertaker. It's been thirty years. Yes. Nearly thirty years of the same gimmick reinvented time and time again, based on the same kind of core principles in some way. Right? Would you agree to that? Yes. But what what is the gimmick of the Undertaker? Is he is it, is he a dead man? That has come back to life to fight people. Is he a the son of a proud mortician? Is or I think he's a mortician himself, perhaps. Funeral home owner. Funeral home director. Yeah. Yes. That's the story that they would have told him in '92. Yes, his family. I know. And he had a loving little brother that looked up to him. Yeah. So many layers to this character. Oh, you're telling the me a Undertaker, great story. Yeah. Throughout the years, we've been exposed to he right. was he was a cult leader himself mm-hmm. when he was running the ministry. Okay, strong stuff. He man. he was a biker. <laughs> you know, um, was I'm sure he ran his own biker gang at some okay. point. <laughs> um, He's big into bikes. He, it's a big part of his life. <laughs> then he died again and came back to life. So he's He's pulled the Jesus twice. Right. Or he's died and come back to life. So it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, when you think about what a great game is, when you, when you hear, when someone pitches the idea of The Undertaker, you go, that sounds awful. Stupid. Like, this is unbelievable. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. As I'm saying all this, it sounds ridiculous. And, um, but, it's because of the work of the man Mark Calloway. Yes, the man behind and it. To his credit, he has always made it about the gimmick mm-hmm. rather than himself. Which is why, of course, he is the number one seed. Yeah. Just because it's it's been the longest lasting and it's been the it's had the most we, we talk all the time about mainstream appeal and transcending wrestling yeah everyone knows who the undertaker is whether you watch wrestling or not you see him and you go oh that's the undertaker you hear the you hear the sound of the gong and you're just like oh that, that's the undertaker right so the guy he is someone he, he has transcended wrestling but he's transcended wrestling as the gimmick not as himself yeah he has not really been out of wrestling for any long period since 92. So it's easy no. to stay relevant. He's out for injuries a little bit here and there. He's out for a couple months, you know, with well-deserved vacation time and also character kind of rechange when he came back as the biker. So it's incredible. And that's why I think the mainstream appeal is there. It's because he's always been there. He's always been on TV in some way. He's always been relevant. And, and he has such a tremendous look. Like he's he's so physically, mm-hmm. visually, he's captivating. Yeah, he's never been a great promo, but he's ne- never had to be. No, never because needed. he's always had the look. Never. 
but he's always had the look. Mm-hmm. In fact, and he's always had the respect of the people in the locker room. In fact, you know, I've been reading through Shawn Michaels' autobiography, and but like your first I was time, reading, right? yeah. And in there, he talked to Bret Hart. Got was getting his big contract, okay. and Shawn was going to Vince saying. I don't want anyone else to make as much money as me, except The Undertaker. Okay. Undertaker's completely different. He can make however much money he wants, but no one else can make more money than me. A lot of respect. Which, which shows the respect that The Undertaker had. Someone during that time as, as self-absorbed and just and, and egotistical as Shawn Michaels could be like, I want to make the most money other than this guy because he is the unquestioned leader is the the one guy we need and whatever you need to pay him you pay him right so the undertaker has always been that guy right and i think a lot of fans when you think of when you just hear the word gimmick he's he is the one that comes to mind for me and it's probably because of longevity he's been in every different era he's done everything right and he's always been you talk about anybody in their autobiographies or any kind of interviews that are they talk about behind the scenes stuff they talk about the undertaker being the locker room leader he's the guy that solves yeah. the disputes in the back he's the guy that you go to if you need a problem fixed or he's the one who's going to come to you you know you know he's the judge and jury on everything and yes. that should tell you a lot about the guy behind the character but i mean a lot it explains why it's been so relevant and so strong for so long and too long now, of course, because he's still around. Yes. But he's he's easily the number one seed here, Bubs, and the numbers show this as well. I love him because yeah. he's reinvented himself so many that, times, yeah. and he's great. What's your favorite What's your favorite Undertaker moment of all time? Uh, of all time, jeez. The match. It'd be a match, not a moment. So. Okay. What's H- your favorite Undertaker match? HBK, number two. Okay. But if we're talking, um, if we're talking moments, it is when he returns um, in 2000 at Judgment Day as Biker Taker, as the moment mm-hmm. itself, because the crowd yes. is insanely lit. Um, my favorite match slash moment will always be him versus Jeff Hardy on Raw oh. and on match. Okay. The undisputed title. Okay. I can't believe you didn't bring that up. Okay. Sorry. You did um, for me. Thank you. And just when he is just he just beats the bricks off of Jeff Hardy and Jeff Hardy just keeps getting up mm-hmm. and he goes in and he just looks at him and finally he just raises Jeff Hardy's hand just like <laughs> Alright kid. Jeff falls. You, you you've done it. <laughs> He's just like, "Oh my god, what is going on?" Goodness. Um that's my favorite match, my favorite Undertaker moment. Ladder his match. best his best matches, his best matches were the quadrilogy of matches he had with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Yeah. Um but yeah, though that's there's no denying he is the one seed and there's no there's no way you can dispute that. Yeah, there shouldn't that. be an argument really but, from anybody on this. Right. But the eight seed, the warrior. Yeah. Coming um, in, making the tournament. So here he is. Yeah. He snuck in there just because I I felt that his long-term contribution and status within the wrestling industry okay. could not be denied. Um, he was... 
he he was the word captivating always comes to mind when I think of the Ultimate Warrior because he didn't have much going for him in the ring. And he was a lunatic on the mic. Yeah. Not the lunatic French, but he was a lunatic. Um, it's just such a question, and just I don't word to somebody, except other than just raw and captivating. Tremendous energy. Yes. Just full of energy. And through some conversations on Twitter, a lot of folks decided to really call him a character hopped up on cocaine as the gimmick. And although <laughs> although there's there's some clear truth behind I don't that, hate right? That. That's, yeah, there's nothing to really hate about that. But I think he was more than that, not to say that it didn't help him, of course, but his he showed a level of, of energy and enthusiasm. He was a celestial being, Bubs. Mm. He, he was not of this world. He, he wasn't? He was the ultimate warrior. So much enough that he had to change his name to support it, but he, the crowd loved him. And his energy yeah. back then... He lived his gimmick. It, it he's was a, so, he's another guy that lived the gimmick. He did. Full, full on for... He's, and to be as over as he was during that time when you have to compete with Hulk Hogan is very difficult. Not many people did it. Like le less than a handful of folks were able to do it. And I think that's kind of a reason why we put Warrior in here is because he he made himself stay relevant through a lot of those times when it was really just Hogan or it was just Savage. It's it's incredible that he was able to do that aside from you know the, the bad things that folks say about him and the way that he held up Vince McMahon for money and, and those type of things. But I would I'd really say some of the awful things he has said. Yeah, interviews. He's not the most liked guy, but I mean, he made amends, and I think that as a gimmick, it's I can really I I can just say passion. That's what I liked about him. Yes, passion, aggression, raw energy, is, and a lack of losing, clean. Which I mean, what that was the entire era. But yeah, that's that's no every top guy clean. back then. Even everyone Hogan, kicked out at three. And Hogan a half. kicked out yeah. at three. <laughs> the hand he kicked hit. out at three point one. Yep, and he. Oh, I didn't lose. He's throwing his hands up everywhere. Oh, what? No, I. It the ref counted too fast. Just, I was, I was right there. But uh, favorite warrior moment? Do you have one? His return to save Hogan is the only moment okay. that I really like about him. Uh, I, he was never my guy. Um, I'd like to say it's when he won the title from Hogan. That There's good stuff there. But um, I like his return. I like his music. I like him sprinting down the, the ring, really, to attack fucking Papa Shango, maybe? Am I wrong on that? Yes, that was. you're right. It was Sid Vicious. No, okay. Sid Justice. Justice, yeah. At the time. And uh, Papa Shango, who missed his cue... And yeah. Sid, of all people, had to call an audible. Yeah, and they they made it. Man, they made it that's work. That's not something that he should be doing. <laughs> Calling shit on the fly. <laughs> yeah. uh, Leave that to Hogan. Let yeah. him do that. He, he's more sound at maybe some decision making. Yeah. But um, 
Him, I, winning, I him love, winning the title is great, though. I, I do think yes. he needs more credit thrown his way for that. I, I love Warrior when his music would hit and he would just come running through the curtain <laughs> and he would just hit the ring with just, just pure energy. And when he was tagging with uh, Macho Man and they were okay. cutting promos together, right. the, that, was, that was awesome. Ugh. So uh, what, what do the numbers indicate? The numbers are heavy, Undertaker. It is a... I, I'd, have to, I'd have to do the math to see if, it, if it's one person or two, but it's 96% to four for The Undertaker to Oof. win. I do appreciate everybody trying to vote honest on this. Usually when you put up votes like this, there's random people that just click on you know shit just to click on something, and the numbers would have been a little crazier. I think this was pretty honest because there were some actual good Warrior fans that I had a conversation with, which was actually great to have. So uh, it's over for the Warrior. Undertaker's going to move on 96 to 4, Bubs. You good with those numbers? Yeah. Next year, you know, maybe next year Warrior can, can move up a couple seeds. They okay. can win a couple more games. You can come in like it's March uh, maybe, Madness. Yes. Uh, no, or no, maybe no. they don't have to run into the Golden State Warriors in that, the first that, round. That's what it is. It's the problem. It's the Splash Second Brothers. Second or third round. Bubs, yeah, the, they're so good. The two seed who's going to have a strong showing throughout this tournament. We're going to we're going to beef him up. Yes, very similar to the Undertaker. The very the brother of our very, <laughs> very long lasting character. Related. Very very similar storyline. Number two is Kane, and yes. and his gimmick is of being a mayor of a town in Tennessee. <laughs> that's not that's what, what gimmick. a gimmick. Part of very successful gimmick. Yes, he's he's living it right Polit- now. Political office and the brother of a of a mortician, where you got burnt in a house fire, is actually a pretty good storyline. So that was the best wrestling storyline of all time. But who's he going up against? We'll get into. That. You're right. Well, we'll talk him just a second at the at the seven seed bubs. Really prominent through 89 and 91 really the sergeant slaughter gimmick it can be either his heel version where he was a member of the iraqi forces with some folks or of course his iraqi sympathizer yes or his true face gimmick as sergeant slaughter the proud military member so he's the seven seed bub because there's a lot of stuff to talk about with that too so kane let's let's talk about kane because you said oh god yes let's talk about the storyline Let's paint the picture. It's, I, it's yes. okay. It's it's early to mid ninety seven. Isaac yes, Yankum is out of Paul, the, the WWF. Yeah. Who is that? I'm not talking. I don't know who. Oh, he is. sorry. Okay, but Paul, who's this Isaac Yankum? What does he have to do with any of this? He has nothing to do with this. I was just making a Although clear point a that he's guy. out. He was a dentist. He worked very hard. Jerry Lawler. Um, yes, his personal dentist. Anyway, um, it's it's ninety seven. It's ninety seven. Paul Bearer is yes. make very cryptic message to the Undertaker saying he's alive. Yes, your brother. He he's not your, dead. Your brother, the Undertaker, Kane is alive. I was so good. We were like, what? What did? What is that? What's mean? he talking? What brother? He has a brother. You have a brother, and the Undertaker was selling it. He was you know in he played oh, the he kind was of like, oh, dis- disbelief and like a little bit of like oh no type of thing like he can't be i i killed everybody like i i made sure that i burnt them all to a crisp right and paul bear gets so much credit as he should for two, he, me, he was the storyteller in this whole thought this whole saga yes. basically let me, let me ask this question is it because the undertaker is already dead that he's never been arrested 
after all these years. He can't be. He's, he can't be he's charged. Killed, he's he's yeah. killed. He's killed his parents. Has tried, attempted to kill his brother multiple times, right. even after. That's very much so. Um, after, yeah. He's tried killing quite a few people. He tried he, killing Paul Bearer. He did. He tried with cement. I, I feel like Paul Bearer was a witness. Yes, is it because he's dead? He is. You That's can't why. put out a warrant or anybody who doesn't exist. And I feel like the Undertaker <sighs> was on a, a phenomenal okay. level that he didn't yes. exist. So, okay. hence we well, have. Well, you Kane. want to talk about? So we talked about the Undertaker being someone who adapted with the times and constantly changed his character. We can also say that about Kane. Mm, Kane damn. is someone. He he came in as Undertaker's severely disfigured brother um he was just out for revenge uh, he couldn't speak he had to he had he had a mask that covered his face so he had no emotion yes he had the <laughs> suck it <laughs> i will set myself on fire he had the talking div- div- there's a what there's a name for friend? that uh, there is a word. I was going to call been drinking device. too much. Then. <laughs> yeah, you have the no voice talking device thingy. Um, you put on your neck. That was that was it. Got him in there because they put Kane in very prominent positions in '97 and '98. He got Austin. He, he won the title from Austin. He he debuted in the main event of. Bad blood between the first, the first Helena ever Hell in a Cell match between between two of the greatest of all time, Shawn right. Michaels and The Undertaker. A match that a lot of people call the best so, Hell in a Cell match of all time. There's a there's reasons is because the storyline also supports that. Shawn Michaels was so good, uh, but not only was the match great, but the moment that Kane debuts mm-hmm. takes it to the next level. It does and the work that. Glenn Jacobs did as Kane was absolutely phenomenal. When because so there were many different layers to this character because he introduced as you know what what we all just described faceless, um, disfigured, no voice, the brother of the Undertaker, but jacked and, and huge and powerful. Yeah. Yes, but then he started to evolve. He his mask didn't cover his mouth anymore and he started to talk more and you realize you know kane had a really fun personality yeah and he could talk he was never great but he could he was a good talker um had some great tag teams with booker t and rvd and xbox and then hurricane and x yes oh hurricane was one of my favorites that's good stuff dual choke uh, tag team yes and then and he unmasked and became mm. uh, a deranged sociopath that just – I don't have any excuse why he was never arrested because he's never been dead. But he I electrocuted don't think Shane McMahon. I was about to get to that. You can't Sorry. just electrocute I, someone with ball sacks. You can in on this show. national television. Mm. He had sex with um, his dead girlfriend. Well, he – no. He raped and impregnated no. Lita and then forced her to marry. Yeah. <laughs> and then Snitsky there. killed the baby. <laughs> Kane's been involved we in so adapting. much. He that, then he became then he, he put he put that all aside. 
to become a member of corporate America. Hmm. You know, and he became corporate Kane. Yeah. A lot of different layers. At, at times he put the mask yes. back on too. Yes, it's, and he became the devil's favorite demon. Right. And and had attacked one of the most fun tag teams of the last decade Loved with it. Daniel Bryan. And so they're so Kane could have easily have been number one as well. And I think I think there's votes just like to be with had. the last bracket yeah. this yes. This could have been either or yep. this is like one A, one B kind of stuff here. And I feel bad for Sergeant Slaughter because I'm all this time talking about how great Kane is, and I we could have an entire episode just on the Undertaker, an entire episode just on Kane. We could, but what are your favorite Kane moments? I got to be honest, all of or most two, all of two thousand and one for Kane is my favorite Kane, but moment <laughs> the entire Royal Rumble, which I will stand and take to my grave that he oh. should have won. It should have been his Royal Rumble. That should have been the bigger push for him. I know, but Austin, as always, that's fine. But uh, I, I was not a fan Why, when he it? unmasked. I got to be honest with you. It, it took really. It took a, at least initially, for sure. I was very much against it because it took away the previous character because he, he completely changed it after that. Like you said, he was very much. He became more deranged in these sociopathic tendencies, yeah. and he, he was lit very, JR on fire. very different person. He was almost darker than we thought he could ever be. But then again, that he meant that, he was he was so mentally unstable. He thought he was disfigured, but he really wasn't. Right? They they it was such good character. They work. gave him money in the bank. They gave him the world title, and all of this is because, like you said, as we should with most of these guys, the guy behind the gimmick is the work. His ring work is very nice, especially for a big man. He, do, you know, he flies off the top yes, rope. He, he has strong ring. moves. He can put, he can make people look great, and that keeps you, bump. that keeps you relevant from basically '97 until about three years ago, where we didn't see much of him anymore. So yes. it's he's definitely one A for me, almost right up there with the Undertaker. He has less, you know, mainstream appeal, of course, because. The Undertaker's been around right. longer, and it's more probably relatable, and the storyline's easier to tell, I guess. But I love Kane. He's always going to be a favorite of mine. And if you're an Attitude Era kid, you have a lot of Kane memories because the dude was around a lot and in every goddamn storyline because he was good. Well, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Kane moment? <sighs> moment? A singular one moment or match or anything like it, give me something it's give still, me something it's still that the, stands out to it's you. still the 2001 royal rumble that's what i'm sticking with okay all right um i'll always remember the night he unmasked just because i was on the edge of my seat just willing him to victory over triple h but he lost so he had to unmask and i remember I remember seeing it and just thinking, like, oh, how just disgusting this guy looks. In retrospect, he there was nothing wrong with him, but, like, you were – we were brainwashed to think that there was something wrong with him. Yeah, absolutely. And then I remember I, I remember how um, not excited I was each week to see – to watch Raw, to see, like – Kane and what what's going on now with him and then he set JR on fire. Yeah, he did. And I I didn't know how to feel after that. I was in awe. Mm -hmm. I was shocked. And to me that to me that's the most memorable Kane moment that I have is him 
lighting JR on fire. I remember exactly where I was. I was at my mm. brother's apartment. I was staying with him for the week. And I remember just sitting there and just, I couldn't believe it. I love those moments that you can remember so deeply that you remember like the, almost the exact day, like what you ate, where you were, the the shit, yeah. you, the shit you did that day because it stuck with you so much. There's a lot of those. Yes. There's a lot less of those moments for a guy like Sergeant Slaughter at the number seven spot because yeah. he was he was before our time as as fans. We know him. We knew him as Commissioner Slaughter, really, when we yes. were when yes, we, we were watching. Now, of course, we knew he was a wrestler, but his prime era was the Hogan era, and a little a little bit before it in, in different stuff. I think he was an AWA guy too. But yes. the reason he's on here is because the gimmick that he created, albeit for a short amount of time, was very influential and, of course, built for a whole And it was Hogan. mainstream in, in and of itself because it, the timing. G.I. Joe's. Yep. Yeah. It, it, was, it was great timing. The Gulf War was there, so why not capitalize on it? Because you need mainstream appeal, and that's something that mm-hmm. WWE and F was great at it at, the, at this time. So we, like we mentioned at the, at the onset of this, we had a guy who was an Iraqi sympathizer, when he was a heel and an yes. extremely over, you know, pure baby face-ish kind Patri- of patriotic, patriotic, you know, supporter of everything who wore his, he, he wore the, you know, fatigues, he wore Kevlar, you know, all these things. And it was, it was great for what it was. Which do you remember more, heel slaughter or face slaughter? Face slaughter for sure. Okay. Just because it lasted longer and yeah. it it continued on for many years after the fact. It's one of those gimmicks that always come back. You can always bring Sergeant Slaughter back yeah. on camera, on television, and people will instantly know who he is and uh, he'll get a pop. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that, but the more significant moments in his career were probably built off of the heel character because that's where he got the most heat. That's where he got the most attention. That's where he got his WWF championship that he had to yes. fork over. His biggest run was that storyline was the maker for him because I believe General Adnan Adnan. I need to. I'm speaking drunkily. I think that was his name. General Adnan was the sympathizer he was working with as kind of the managerial suit back then. But he was cutting anti-U.S. promos. That's that's the moment that I can remember at least because I've watched it since then. If since I know you'll ask at the end of this is him cutting these pro Iraqi, you know, pro or pro anti. That's a word. Yeah, American gimmicks pro, on, on pro anti American. Yeah. It's pan these Pan Am type promos that he's getting over. <laughs> Um, but the thing with Sergeant Slaughter is that it was a great character for a certain period of time. Yeah. It, it's not a character that had a ton of staying power. Right. So. Which is why it it may be so low on the list, but it makes the list because of how significant it was for that short amount of time. it, It was a significant character um it's one that did have some mainstream appeal to it Mm -hmm. but it's not something that had lasting power right you know there's only so far you can go as a you know good old u.s you know soldier right it's 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 not something you can truly people get tired of yeah right but he did get his run as wwf champion Mm -hmm. as a heel 
and then promptly dropped it to Hogan. Uh, but that's really all I've got for Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, my favorite are my memorable moments of his were as a commissioner yeah. going up against DX, mm-hmm. and when they were wearing the face masks with the windshield wipers. <laughs> that was good. He was in the ring a lot. He was, he was very influential in 97, 98 time. He was kind of part of the the kind of corporate face that Vince was putting out there quite a bit at the time, whether it be, you know, Briscoe or Vince McMahon himself or Sergeant Slaughter, somebody from, you know, wearing suits and being executive was out there doing yeah. shit against DX. So that, those are my memories too. But uh, the numbers, he didn't stand much of a shot, but much better numbers than I actually thought. We got 76% to 24 in favor Ooh, of Kane. So, well. so pretty strong for Kane. I wanted, honestly, a little better, if I'm being honest. But, uh, I wanted it 99. Yeah, no. There are some... Twitter is full of a lot of different generations and a lot of different fans that may not just be... Which is great. I do enjoy that. That gives us a a widespread. So those are why the numbers. And the numbers are going to get a lot closer as we start talking about our next two matchups. Bubs, number three. I put Gold Dust at three. This is where a lot of stuff gets debatable because I'm saying saying he's the third best gimmick, at least in mainstream wrestling, that we've really ever had. And I think there's some facts to back that up. And number six, Raven. Raven is unique. Was a guy that I really fought for. Yeah, you did, I and I put him in here. Very hard for him to put get on this list. And he's at number six, which I think is a strong number for him. It looked good, especially in the matchup. And we've got some contrast in the matchup, which is good as well. So Goldust is still around. What do you know? Our third person in a yes. row that we're still talking about that's around from early the early mid nineties. Almost thirty years. Right. And I think that that's an important aspect when you start talking about how to keep a gimmick relevant or character relevant for 25, 30 years. And and the gimmick of Goldust was this Hollywood androgynistic, just homoerotic yes. kind of character that was played to perfection. And this is this is one of those – another instance of the guy behind – the face paint, the guy behind yes. the gimmick was so good. Dustin Runnels is, you can never deny his passion for the business and just his, how good he is, He's period. Good. Yeah. He played the character to perfection, uh, especially in the uh, early, early portions of the character when it was very just in your face. Uh, the homoerotic homosexual. stuff. Yeah, it was strong yes. in '96. Yeah. Uh, with Ahmed Johnson when he was giving him mouth to mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> and Ahmed Johnson didn't know that was going to happen, That's so he a... was like legit, <laughs> real some pissed. legit heat real there. Heat there. <laughs> that that stuff but and the, Roddy Piper stuff I really would have made character, it. Yes, the guy behind the character is nothing like the character at all. No, he's a he's life. a formal pro wrestler. Like, this is a, That's yes. This is a true gimmick where it's not this isn't the guy's personality. No. It's just he is legit playing the character of Goldust. Mm-hmm. Which is why Goldust I has resonated so well and has lasted so long because it is such a unique and distinct character that the guy playing him has had a lot of fun playing mm-hmm. and you can see that he's having a lot of fun, which makes you have a lot of fun. Yeah. 
And for this to stay relevant so long, you have to do what the other two have done. You have to reinvent yourself a little bit. You have to change with the times. So he did. And the reason he was able to do that is because he's very sound in the ring. If you get a little tired of the gold dust, the character that you're seeing, you can watch some good wrestling happen in the ring because the guy has developed very methodical multi-time set. champion. Right. Tag team champion up the wazoo as well. He's got mm-hmm. the last name, which gave him credibility and maybe allowed him to stay in the business for as long as he did. But he also backed that up in himself and said, I'm not just, you know, the son of Dusty. I'm going to make myself because even the character person. Yeah, even the character of Goldust was really nothing like anything that we'd seen from from Dusty. It was so far no. in the homoerotic field, especially when it started, that it was so unique. And the fact that something like that stuck around, captivating. it is, it, it gets your attention. And even if you hate it so much, that's why he was a great heel during those times was because you didn't want him near you. You didn't want him to touch you. But if he touched you, you know, it, it, it would so piss much. you off and, and it I worked. I always wanted him to touch me. <laughs> so he, he creates and he bases his moves off of that. He calls it shattered dreams. Yes. You know, he's got the curtain call because he, he had he had the Hollywood ambiance thing kind of behind him a little bit, so he had the curtain yes. call. And the fact that he's reinvented himself, once again, I'm going to say it because it matters, is if you change with the times and you can keep making the character stay relevant, you're going to be you around. Stay relevant. You stay relevant. And here we are talking about him, even though he's no longer the character anymore. He's still a professional wrestler doing great shit. But his character and gimmick that he created, mostly for WWE is going to be on a roster or a bracket like this forever because of what he did and the the work that he put in. Goldust will always be considered one of the best gimmicks of all time. Mm -hmm. And it is a testament to just how how smart Vince McMahon can be sometimes. Man, when he's right, he's right. Because... And he nailed it. Per- Goldust was the perfect character for the time because he was so in your face in a time when that was taboo. Yeah. And so in your face, just, like over the top in your face. Yes. And it just somehow, some way it resonated mm. in a way that it needed to. Right. And Dustin has been able to change with the times. He's, he moved on from that super in-your-face homoerotic character to, you know, something, you know, still flamboyant but a little more edgy mm-hmm. to um, pure comedy at times. But could also be serious. Like, he, he could do he could do it all. Yeah. And my favorite, or, or some of my favorite... Goldust moments, but for sure my favorite period of Goldust was when he was teaming with Booker T. That was by <laughs> con- far contrast. my favorite. It was such a contrast, and they played off each other perfectly. Um, then I remember Goldust getting electrocuted, and he had a stutter for a while. I'd forgotten about. I had told you about yes that you I were know like, that happened. I was like, go back and trust <laughs> I, me. I did. I found YouTube. It. it was so good. He would fucking. He, he would he would be talk 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 talking, <laughs> and it was like Bubba Ray Dudley and ECW. Yeah. Um. Oh, it was so good. 
I love Goldust, and um, there's not much more. I, I voted for Goldust. There was no way. Even as hard as I even I still had to vote for Goldust just because it, it's so good. Right. But I love the fact that you stuck up for Raven because there's enough to talk about there for a second because yes. as a as the leader of a, a you know a cult-ish type of persona that he played and he really drove yes. it home a lot with his promos too. He, this is a guy who could talk very well. I was never really into him, nearly not nearly as much as you. I'll, I'll certainly say that. Oh, but from a totally from a gimmick perspective, especially ECW Raven, I'll say that for sure. He deserves to be in this conversation because of how he separated himself from the Shane Douglases, the Terry Funks, the other Tommy Dreamer, the other. The other the other normal pro wrestlers that were there. This is how he separated himself in this grunge era to look different, to talk different, to get everyone's attention. And he was made a world champion. And I think rightfully so. But why did you fight yes. for him? I want to, I want to know this. He was a, he was a, he, his, his character of, was of someone that was a tortured soul that just, he, he just didn't fit in, in this world. Mm-hmm. He was maybe too good for this world in his mind um but he was so he felt so just out of place and just sad and depressed that he had to bring the world down with him so that was kind of his character and he you know recruited people to be a part of that his flock raven's flock in wcw um i fought for him because he did resonate with me and my brother during that time you know we were huge raven fans because kind of his style just kind of fit with with what we were where where we were at during that time yeah you could understand him yeah exactly the music he was uh associated with is what we listened to just his style of clothing is what we thought were were cool and and hip and just that grunge lifestyle that grunge look is something that we reson that resonated with us okay and just his 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 way of talking his Edgar Allan Poe mm. style of promo just it, it clicked for us and it clicked for a lot of people uh, a lot of people have considered Raven one of the smartest minds to ever be in professional wrestling so was definitely he was definitely the product of the time but he is someone that caught that evolved when he had to and he stuck around a lot longer than we remember him sticking around he was a tna world champion he was which a lot of people can lay claim to but it still means that you were able to be relevant and you were wanted and there was still a a desire from the wrestling fans to want to want to have you back and even then, yes. even his TNA stuff was still the same gimmick, but he had changed it. He'd altered it. He'd kind of grown with it a little bit. And he's he's one of those guys that you either wanted to be a part of because you understood him, or you're like, no, I don't, I don't get you at all. I don't, I don't want to follow you. I don't want to be part of your flock. You're you're a pest, which made him easy as a heel to 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 boo and to get behind because you didn't understand it but if you were in that era if you were young and you can you know like you said if you can kind of relate to what he's saying it's it's easy to get behind exactly and 
and I definitely got behind him, and uh, man, I, I'd fight for him, you know, day and night to get in this list, just because his appeal went far beyond what I guess what we all thought it would because you have to remember he was once Johnny Polo absolutely the WWF he was a middling low level manager and then became one of the top wrestlers in the industry yeah after changing to the character of Raven. So he's someone that had staying power, someone that lasted far longer than uh, we remember him lasting. And I just loved his... his the, the, whole, the whole package, the look, the, mm-hmm. the style, how Love he it. talked, how he wrestled. It just, everything was, Big fan. in my opinion, great. Okay. Yes. But what do the numbers say? Uh, the, the numbers don't go his way, as expected, I think. The higher seed to pull out here. But Gold Dust with the win of 65 to 35 total. Getting closer, in though. The, in the, the three versus are, six. They are, yeah. Are getting closer as these seedings. Ever so slowly. So Gold Dust will so move on. We, <laughs> if we could make money off of bracket consolidation. Um, <laughs> But uh, the last of the matchups, the, the middle part, the four and five, the close seeds, basically, every every time. We talked about Mankind at the onset. He's the number four. And the Million Dollar Man Bubs at number five. So, yes. like I said, when we when, a, when the votes started going out the first couple of days, a lot of Million Dollar Man Love. It was... <laughs> man Love, sorry. It was 80 <laughs> It was 80-20. It was, We're still talking about gold dust. It was 75-25. He was way ahead. But um, yes. Mick did bring it back to make it closer. We'll get to that at the end of this. But Mankind, not Mick Foley, not yes. Cactus Jack, Mankind. not Dude Love. The, right. the deranged soul, the boiler room living Mankind who debuted. Yes, the rat-loving, yeah. uh, hair-pulling. Mask-wearing. Uh, Mass wearing mandible mandible claw using bump taking. Oh, God, each jumping off of oh, uh, was no tooth having shoved. ass. <laughs> <laughs> he chose to jump off that cage that night. That was a conscious decision. decision that was that made. He made. I can guarantee you, Taker did not say, hey, you know what would be a great idea if I just threw you off this son of a bitch? Yep, and it'll all work out in the end. Don't worry about it. 100% can see this happening. Just (laughs) Mick Foley going up to Taker, just like, okay, hear me out. What if... (laughs) I got an idea. What if we're at the top of the cage and you toss me a... And don't worry, the announce table will break my fall. Yeah, he almost missed that thing completely. He well, almost missed the whole Taker announce table. Taker would be like, "Well, we're gonna." So, how do we get up to the I, I, to the top of the cell? Mick would be like, okay. well, "We're gonna start up there. That's how we're gonna yeah. get up there." I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna climb straight to the top. Oh god! All right, and then you come out and you join me up there, it's Mick. Like, Mick, I don't want to do this, Mick. Mick. I'd, I'd rather not. <laughs> and he's like, "I will get you a bottle of whiskey." If that will make you feel yeah, better. Some, something was done because what we got from all of mankind from 96 on yes. in different points, in different eras, in different years, in different feuds, 
was a guy who reinvented himself who became very popular as a face, very much yes. so that it got him Won a couple of world titles. World champion. Yeah, they got him into major feuds that got the character, the, the wrestler behind it into WrestleMania was the Mankind gimmick. It was the most relevant of McFoley's three, even though the King of the Hardcore stuff and Cactus Jack took a lot of bumps and was more maybe world-renowned. Oh. Mankind was really character development that happened and take a step back from all the bumps we're going to take and really develop the person. And that's what he did starting in 96. And the character of Mankind was so brilliantly played by Mick Foley. That character does not get over without Mick Foley playing it. And he did it so brilliantly. You felt that he was just not a normal human being you i remember watching as a kid and being scared of mankind because i i couldn't you couldn't get a read on him he was even as you know seven eight nine year old you're like this guy is deranged like i he's a scary i'd rather i'd rather be stuck in a room with the undertaker than mankind Mm -hmm. because you don't know what mankind's going to do. He's going to stab himself. He's going to start ripping his hair out. Right. And he'd sit there in the corner and shake. Also, yeah, like but a then patient. Funny and lovable and full of personality, mm-hmm. and he can make you feel like you want him to win. You want him to succeed. There's so many different layers of the mankind um, character and gimmick that it it all it led to such success. I mean, he was a world champion as mankind. Yeah, he was in major feuds with the likes of Triple H and Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. <coughs> excuse, excuse me, uh, Steve Austin. He he wrestled the best, and he was always at the top. Yeah, as mankind. He was, he was in one of the most successful thrown together tag teams with The Rock, wh- where his personality really, you know, was able to shine. So lots of mankind was a tremendous character that was played by it. It was one of those, like with everyone on this list, it was the perfect gimmick played by the perfect person. Mm-hmm. And one of, some of my favorite Mankind moments, of course, it's him winning the title. Um, it's the Tony Schiavone, uh, ugh, that's going to put butts in seats mm-hmm. line. Um, but my all-time favorite Mc, Mankind moment is when him and The Rock are having a promo, doing a promo, and I, I don't think this made TV, but there's videos out there where The Rock, he does something with his head, and his sunglasses fall off. Yeah, yeah. And Mick Foley just goes down and picks them up and hands them to him. And the Rock just can barely keep himself together, and he goes, The Rock thanks you. <laughs> and Mick Foley's just like, yeah. Yeah, Mick. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind. <laughs> There's there's not a better, I guess, 
couple of years of character transformation that I can think of from when he debuted against The Undertaker in that feud in 96 to when he beat The Rock for that title, the Tony Schiavone line, than the stuff that takes place in those two years. Because he goes from being a feared heel of a character who's deranged, who you don't understand at all, all of a sudden to a guy who gets one of the loudest crowd reactions for a title win in history. Part of that goes to Steve Austin, yes. but the match still goes to mankind. I think a lot of it goes to Steve it, Austin. It, it does, but... Yeah, but the situation, they loved it. They loved the outcome nonetheless, and he's stayed relevant. The, the person behind it, is a, he's a fucking best-selling author. He's in all kinds of – he's charismatic. He tells stories. He does stand-up. He, he's, he's the right guy I'm to do everything that we needed. I'm staring at a Mick Foley Christmas book right now. That makes sense. That's on my shelf, mm. yeah. Like he's – there's so much to make Foley the man, but I don't think he's as popular as he is right now without Mankind the character. Right, and I'd agree to that. And Bubs, his uh, his competition, once again, a little beyond our years, just a, just a hair, because the Million Dollar Man, prominent in those early 90s this days... This is why he's so good, is because he still resonates. He does... Because what he did now, and and what he, and even the name Million Dollar Man, is something. Yes. I put him at five because I'm not I, talking about Steve Rogers, the the bionic Million Dollar Man not, not, uh, not, television not show. Not that one. This is Ted DiBiase, the Million yes. Dollar Man, whose whose strategy really was to buy out everyone, was to buy titles, was to buy people, was to use his wealth and influence and his fucking great jackets that he was he would wear to so get good. his to get and his Virgil. way in Virgil to get his way through the WWF and to get to the top and he found himself very much involved in everything from the middle to the top for several years now the character didn't as far as a performer in the ring didn't last nearly as long as you would like it to be maybe it could even jump up a spot if it did but he's still very popular now because no one is really I'm surprised Steve even. Austin, why did I say Steve Rogers? Steve Austin. Nobody has, man. Nobody's taken advantage of or really tried to recreate the million dollar gimmick because I think if you tried it, you'd fuck it up and you'd get ruined by the wrestling community because it's one because, of those things yeah. you can't do. You can't recreate it because it was it was so brilliantly done that there's no way you can recreate it because all, all one would say is this is not as good as the original. Yeah, you're not DiBiase. Get off my screen. That's that's like people trying to recreate old Steve. Whoever here, not Stone Cold. So why even try? Why bother? Yeah. Do you have a specific? Because when I when I bring him up, he was he wasn't even around really in the Attitude Era. Of course, he he was gone by the 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 mid 90s he really wasn't even around so we didn't really watch a lot of him live but he was involved with a lot of top guys like savage of course for the the wwf title and yes he was buying the title from andre the giant right and that's where we get a lot of the memories is because where where you see andre the giant in some of these key feuds right next to him you might see the million dollar man or if you see Randy Savage going up against you know his opponent for that night. You see the Million Dollar Man, and the guy was able to yes. stay completely relevant the entire time because of I really think behind the gimmick because he wasn't a great wrestler. DiBiase was not, and his promos were built no. around you know basically safe things that his character would be saying, but they were very 
you'd, you'd get behind him because he had the laugh. He, you know, that was kind of his catchphrase of things. <laughs> and he would literally throw money at you. And if that's a thing, and, and, and we're talking early 90s, to throw around cash like it's nothing, poof, I'm, I'm behind you. I want to be yeah. like you or I hate you because I don't have what you have. So yes. great heel, great character. And the gimmick, I'm glad no one's touched it really since then. And it's easy for them to bring him back on nights like Yes. These raw reunions and raw twenty fives because he gets a, a great pop. because it has lasted so long. Mm-hmm. It, he's he's stayed not that he stayed relevant, but that it was just such a great character mm-hmm. that it has it still resonates today. Yeah, we all hate the the rich millionaire that can just flaunt his money around and buy what he wants. We all hate that. We all hate people like that. We all wish we can be like that, mm-hmm. but. Because we can't, we hate the person that can. Right. And so it's it's it was kind of the I guess the closest we ever got to the million million dollar man was the JBL character. A little bit of JBL when he was playing. And yeah, we hated him so much. He was such a great heel. So it, it it's not it, it hasn't been touched since, but parts of it have been. And it's worked. I mean, look at Vince, the character of Mr. McMahon. Mm-hmm. He was the billionaire that can buy whatever he wants. You know, he owns the company. You have to do what he says because he he's the one that pays you. Yeah. So bits and pieces have been used throughout the years, and it works so well. But it 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 works so perfectly with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Right. And you're right. He was never great in the ring but during that time no one was no and you didn't have to be you had to have but you had to have a great character and that's what he was able to have and, so, a, shit, and a shit ton of charisma to get you through yes do you have any memorable million dollar man moments not a specific one i mean any promo where he laughs at the end of it kind of gets me yes. still to this day so if, if it's that's really as specific as I can be, and and there's good Virgil shit out there too. Let's not lie. That that pairing when, when Virgil <laughs> finally when Virgil finally turned on him is uh, my boo that Virgil. I know it's awful. Uh, he is actually. All right. So what do the numbers say? The numbers say we were a little bit closer than the previous matchup, but mankind's going to walk away with a sixty-one to thirty-nine percent. You came on real strong. It was real strong. It was even flip-flopped earlier. Like I said, the previous days, it was Million Dollar Man ahead at times. So um, we got our matchups, bubs. All the top seeds move on, just like last week, but barely. So we will have the one versus five, Undertaker versus Mankind. Why not? Of course it would be. Why not? That's perfect. And Kane versus Goldust. That'll be a good one as well. I'm excited to see what these... Numbers are finally going to show as we get into Both of these would be... Imagine these two tag teams going against each other. Oh, good. Kane and Goldust versus... I'm sure Mankind and Undertaker teamed up in 97, 98 at one point. They had to have. (laughs) I mean, of course, but imagine that like being a tag team like title match that's fine <laughs> who are you rooting for i'm rooting for kane and i i'm going for gold dust and kane because yes i like the the drastic contrast there but it's going to be good stuff those <laughs> those matchups are going to be good those numbers are going to be 
better than the first round as they should be, Bubs. But nonetheless, a good yes. conversation for the first round. Yes. And this has been a topic to talk about. I'm just talking about gimmicks in general. It's one of the best parts of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I am I'm glad we did this. I'm glad this was the second tournament that we chose to do. As am I. Um, yes. week, big weekend ahead of us here. Uh, Saturday is all out for AEW. A lot of speculation, yeah, a lot of care. news, a lot of, I know, I understand that. That's and surprisingly, a lot of you folks are telling me that you're not watching it live. Why are you not watching it live? I don't understand. I can tell you why. I've, I've told you why I'm not watching it, but I know who you're going after. Yeah. The people that say that AEW is already better than WWE and those are the same people who watch WWE mm. every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Sunday for pay-per-views, but they won't watch uh, AEW live because they have to fork over, you know, money for it. No, no, I'll just use someone... another streaming service. Yeah, exactly. So until you can prove that you are willing to support this brand, I don't have trust in the fans of AEW. And I hope that TNT can garner enough interest from non-wrestling fans because these so-called fans are going to run the company into the ground. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Good take there, Bubs. I'm excited. Uh, sorry, when... I just blacked out. What just happened? Nothing. We're going to see the results. Was I saying something? We will see those results on okay. Saturday night, Sunday morning as to if it's successful, what the numbers are, who wins, all that stuff. We'll, we'll get into some of that conversation. And obviously, we're going to talk about round two, the semifinals of the best gimmicks ever in pro wrestling. So we got a nice, bright future ahead of us. Yes, absolutely. And we want to know what your thoughts on what a gimmick is, what's your favorite gimmick, who do you think is going to win this tournament, and who you voted for. And you can let us know on Twitter at CAE Wrestling. You can send us a message on Anchor, and we can play it here on the show. Uh, you can also hit us up on Facebook. So many ways you can interact with us, and we love it. We want to know what you think, and we want to know what kind of episodes you want to hear. Yeah. Because right now, it's just us coming up with stuff, and quite frankly, I'm done with it. And, you know, I'm just – I'm on autopilot right now. So um, – Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah I'm just – I'm going to come out and say it. And unless you guys show me some love, I'm out of here. <laughs> Get All out. Right? The number one host of this show is yeah. leaving. Ah, uh, debatable. One last With note before title. we, before we get out title, real quick. CM Punk style, uh, Money in the Bank 2011. I'm going to throw a shout out real quick to some guys. that We're, we're also going to plug your message here that you threw in real quick for us too at the end here. The Smacked Raw podcast out there doing some good stuff. We wanted to give you guys a shout out and thanks for sending us what the message man. as well. Smacked Raw. I like that, right? It's... I know. Nice and aggressive. Uh, so that's what I had. I'm about to go do right now. Good love. Get out. Take your title and leave. That'll do it for me. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, doing this together with us, because the only way we can grow this thing is together, and together we can make wrestling great again. See you guys next time. Here at the Smack Draw Podcast, we are looking for – Possibly two new people to join the crew for both hosting and producing. Please DM us at 
uh, SmackDrawPod on Twitter if you're interested in joining the crew. Thank you and have a great day.